Turn with me to three places. If it's easier for you to go one at a time, that's fine, because I'll go first to Psalm 107. A psalm is practically smack in the middle of your Bible, so if you're trying to find the psalms, uh, if you don't have a Bible, simply raise your hand. We'll be glad to put one in your hand. Uh, see a hand there, so please put a Bible in that hand. Any others, we'll be glad to put one in yours as well. Uh, but Psalm 107 is the first verse I want to read. I want to three, read three verses to you. It kind of sets up our text here this morning. I will not be in the book of Luke today. Uh, our study in the book of Luke will conclude the 10th chapter next week. A really neat uh, text that we'll look at next week. And uh, by the way, for Wednesday, this Wednesday, we have a salt and light video. Uh, we'll be showing a video on Noah's Ark. If you've been with us in the Prophecy uh, series, you know that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And uh, so we'll look at um, uh, evidence of the ark. There really was a first judgment, and there really will be a second judgment. The second will be even worse than the first. But uh, we'll look at that. Uh, I know a lot of people are traveling, so um, you know if you are in town, uh, I think you'll really enjoy uh, the truths and just the insights about uh, some of it's archaeologically based, some of it's science based, and of course all of it is based on the scriptures. So we'll look at that together on Wednesday night, uh, and then next week we'll be back in the book of Luke. But today I'm doing a topical message, so if your Bibles are open to Psalm 107, I'm going to read verse 8, Psalm 107 verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men would give thanks thanks. I turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Just go right. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then comes Acts, then comes Romans. So go to the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, and I'll be reading verses 20 and 21. Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. So keep Psalm 107 in mind, oh that men would give thanks for the goodness of the Lord. Now let's look at Romans 1. 20 and 21, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and godhood, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They didn't remain thankful, and their hearts became dark. Last passage, take a right-hand turn again, a few chapters away, <clears throat> to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. That one's harder to find. It's nestled in there with the epistles. You go past it, then you go the other direction, you go past it again. That's why you need those little black tabs that actually say first thefts right there. I know. I know where these places are, and I can't find them sometimes. It's like they hide. Thessalonians, I know you're near Timothy somewhere. You know, so. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Now, it doesn't say once a year. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and me. Let's pray. Father, we ask that these scriptures, Lord, that they would not be things that we just hear, but Lord, that they would settle deep within our hearts. We know it's the will of God for us to rejoice always, to be thankful. Oh, that men would give thanks. Lord, and we know that there's a high cost for unthankfulness. Lord, we pray that you would speak now by your Spirit to each and every heart. We desire to be molded into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks or no thanks? Gratitude or complaining? 
We have a choice, don't we? We also have a command. What will we choose, though? I mean, no one else is going to choose it for us. What are we going to choose to do? We're commanded all through the Scriptures to be thankful. If you want to do a word search of just thank and look at it throughout the Scriptures, we could stay here for months. All in the Bible. We saw Jesus, God in flesh. Emmanuel comes to earth to take on our flesh and blood and and walk this dusty earth. And we saw in his earthly ministry, we saw him giving thanks regularly. Thanks for the will of the Father. He gave thanks for food. Even though he created everything, he's thanking God for food. We even see him giving thanks just before his death. He's gathered there with the disciples. Jesus the most perfect illustration of thankfulness. But how will we respond in our lives? Again, every person has to individually respond to what God's commanded. You saw these verses. We could read many, many more. But how will we respond? Especially those who have been saved by God's grace. We have a tremendous amount to be thankful for, don't we? If we've been saved. Do you remember all the things you did? you remember things... You've done since salvation, much less the things you did before coming to Christ. If you're taking notes, I've titled our time in God's Word this morning, The Impact of Being Thankful. The Impact of Being Thankful. We'll look at six encouragements from the Scriptures and also the consequences of ignoring these things in Scripture. Six encouragements but also there's consequences for us if we choose to ignore these things. But we know that thanksgiving, or giving thanks, being thankful, it's a choice. You have to make that decision, say, I, I'm going to be thankful anyway. And the week before Thanksgiving, a teacher, Mary Jo, she asked her class of nine-year-olds to write a paragraph entitled, What I Am Most Thankful For on Thanksgiving Day. Little Joey, all he could write was this, I am thankful that I'm not a turkey at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Well, if you can't come up with anything else, there's that. Here's 12 reasons to be thankful if you burn your turkey this coming Thursday. It happens sometimes. There's been many movies and sitcoms about this, you know, it's black, I think we burned one one year back when we were before we had kids we got together with some friends and none of us had kids and we were living in south florida and uh we tried to do a turkey it didn't end up too bad but it was not a 10 let me say that uh, but if you do burn it here's 10 things you there are 12 things you can be thankful for if you completely scorch it one salmonella won't be a concern <laughs> two everyone will think your turkey is cajun blackened Three, uninvited guests will think twice next year. (laughs) Four, your cheese, broccoli, lima bean casserole will gain a newfound appreciation. (laughs) Kids will agree with that one. Number five, pets won't even bother to pester you for scraps. Number six, no one will overeat. Number seven, the smoke alarm was due for a retest anyway. Number eight, Carving the bird will provide a good cardiovascular workout. (laughs) Number nine, you'll get to desserts that much quicker. Number ten, after dinner the guys can take the bird in the yard and play football with it. (laughs) Number eleven, the less turkey uncle you know who eats, the less likely he will walk around with his pants unbuttoned. There's always that uncle, isn't there? Greg Laurie said, maybe you're the uncle. (laughs) Number 12, you won't have to face three weeks of turkey sandwiches. You know, there's all that leftovers. But there's a lot of things that we have to be thankful for. And I want to look at, in the Scriptures, six encouragements this morning where the Scriptures outline for us things to understand why God asks us to be thankful. You know, God doesn't ask us to be thankful because he really wants to mess up our life. It's quite the opposite. He asks us to be thankful because it will enrich 
and bless our lives. It also, of course, gives glory to him because we see that his own son exhibited that gratitude of all of the graciousness of the Father, showed us how we should walk, how we should live. There is an impact to being thankful, and there's definitely an impact to being unthankful too, isn't there? Either way, it's going to have an impact on us and people around us. Let's look at the first one this morning. The first one I want to look at is the impact of thankfulness, being thankful is we gain perspective. Isn't it good to have perspective? Well, when you don't have the right perspective on things, you can be really off course. You can be really disillusioned. You can be in a really bad mood. You can have bad intentions. You can have bad responses. Your judgment's clouded. Perspective is very important. And in life, so many things happen that we would say went wrong. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I have things that you say, this just went all wrong. Now, sometimes things go wrong because of our sin, but sometimes God just allows things. Ask Job or Joseph, what did you do wrong? They're like, I don't know. I was trying to serve the Lord, and all of a sudden, a house of cards fell upon me. Right? Perspective is very important in being thankful. Or being thankful will actually gain us perspective, I should say. Actually, they, they work both ways. Perspective is important. Placing perspective first, I wanted to place it first in this list because if we don't see life from God's perspective and His truth, we'll never get out of the gate. I wanted to place this one first. Perspective, if we don't have His perspective, we're not going to understand scriptural principles. God wants us to see things from Him. It doesn't mean that we'll understand everything that God says, but we'll still be looking at it through His lens. When we believe God's Word and being thankful, and then, so we believe God's Word. We, you just heard three verses. We could have read many more. Are those verses true? Do they express the will of God? Yes. Has God changed his mind on any of those three verses? No. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He still says, oh, that men would give thanks. He still says, because they don't give thanks, they fall into darkness. He still says, it is the will of God and everything, not a few things, not when the sun is shining perfectly on your life, but in everything, give thanks. It's when we believe his word, and then by obedience, we choose to follow it and say, Lord, I'm going to choose to be thankful. Sometimes thankfulness is first just the words coming out of your mouth. Your heart doesn't match the words. And that's why sometimes we feel like a hypocrite saying, well, I don't really mean this, so should I really say it? Do you say everything you want to say when you got pulled over for a ticket? <laughs> of course not. You've learned that sometimes you must bridle yourself. And God says, I know your heart doesn't feel thankful right now, but start letting the words. When you come in, that's why we, we, we have an emphasis on praise and worship. Because people come in, and we know that until we get into the presence of God and just start worshiping, then you're realizing, why did I wait so long to worship? Worship is an element of being thankful. God says, first, just do it. You know the old Nike thing, just do it. Just do it. Lord, what's going to happen? You'll gain my perspective. You mean just by being thankful, I'll start to see things by your perspective, Lord? God says, yes. Watch how it works. It's supernatural. It's not natural. The natural thing is to whine and complain. No one has to teach a child to whine and complain. There's no training for two-year-olds in this. All right, here's the deal. This is how you learn to whine. This is how you complain. If things don't go right your way, the way you expect it, you just start complaining about it. Psalm 119.62 Interesting verse. It says this. It says, At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. 
I don't even know fully what all that verse means, but listen to it again. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. There's a number, there's many different facets to for this verse. It could have prophetic meaning, I believe, in some respects it does. Jesus make the scripture says he'll come, the thief in the night, like at midnight. Remember the angel of the Lord came at midnight. There's also sometimes you can rise at midnight for celebration, like New Year's Eve. But most times, if you're rising at midnight, it's not a celebration. We've risen at midnight when the kids are throwing up. We've risen at midnight when you just have a pain that won't let you sleep. Risen at midnight when there's something worrying or heavy on your heart. And so when you have to rise at midnight, it's not always a celebration. Sometimes it's quite the opposite. And when you rise at midnight you can still give thanks. And it's one of the things that will allow you to gain God's perspective. You start thanking the Lord, and he starts to clear your mind. He starts to show you things that only he can show. See, when we give thanks, whether it's in the darkness of night, versus it's much easier to give thanks in a beautiful sunshine. It is. Sitting on a beach with a cool drink. In the big, uh, blackness of night, in the trials of life, it's different. It's difficult. But we can still find joy in any situation according to the Scriptures. Not according to what we can see, but according to what God says. In our flesh, this is impossible. But if we've been filled with the Spirit of God, this is important, because you first have to be born again. Once you're born again, the Spirit of God allows you to see the truth of God, receive the truth of God, and begin to gain God's perspective. It's a process. We gained it first by believing on salvation, but then we continue to gain it in all the situational trials and difficulties of life. And we begin, because of the Spirit of God, because we believe what God says, we begin to choose to obey with thankfulness, and we actually can look at any, and I mean any circumstance differently. I'll read something to you that some of you are probably familiar with. Uh, some of you have probably read The Hiding Place with Corey Tin Boom. You know, her and her family were thrown into Nazi concentration camps. Why? Because they were hiding Jewish people from the Nazis. I hope that we would do the same if we ever saw people coming and attacking innocent people, that we would be those that would stand on their behalf. But when they were thrown into that prison there in Ravens, uh, concentration camp in Ravensbrück, and where the Nazis killed literally millions of of people, not just in that camp, but I'm speaking in all of the camps. Corrie Tin Boone and her sister, sister Betsy, they were stuck in the barracks, and she writes this about a particular time. She said, we lay back, struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. Suddenly I sat up and striking my head on the cross lat, you know when you sit up and you hit your head on the bunk above you? Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. So Corey Tin Boone and her sister Betsy were both imprisoned in the same barrack. And she's now being bitten with fleas. She says, here, in another one, I wailed, Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly that it took me a second to realize that she was praying, speaking of Betsy. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of her life seem to be vanishing for Betsy. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The prayer and the rest of life seem to be vanishing. They become one. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we ask, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Where, read that part again. I glanced down in the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in 1 Thessalonians. We actually just read the passage. I said... We were on our third completely. Uh, we were on a third complete reading of the New Testament since leaving Shevinigan. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is: comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, so that see that no one uh, repays you evil for evil, but always seek to do good uh, to one another to all. It seemed written expressly to Ravensbrook. Go on," said Bessie. "That wasn't all. Oh yes, rejoice always." Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. 
That's it, Corey. That's the answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barrack. I stared at her, then around me at the dark, foul-aired room and said, such as? Such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as you're holding in your hands. And I looked down at the Bible. Yes, Lord, thank you. And there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all these women who are here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for, uh, very, thank you for the very crowding here. Since we're so, packed, so close that many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right. Thank you for the jam, cram, stuff, packed, suffocating crowds. <laughs> They're two sisters talking. That's hard to find the dialogue. Hopefully you're following it. Thank you, Betsy, went on. And she said, thank you for the fleas. The fleas, this was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances. She quoted, doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so as we stood between a tier of bunks and gave thanks for fleas, this time I was sure Betsy was wrong. Later, they found out that the guards that were carrying people away, beating, torturing, wouldn't enter that particular barrack because the guards couldn't stand the thought of the fleas getting on them. So they actually had free reign of Bible studies, worship services. God had used the fleas as a protective cocoon, if you will, keeping them from the guards coming in and stopping them, and they were able to worship freely and later, she said, my mind rushed back to our first hour in this place. I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembered her thanks to God for creatures I could see no use for. See, in any circumstance, God can change our perspective. He really can. But notice that Betsy first chose to be thankful before the perspective changed before even the revelation that the fleas were actually protecting them. She chose thankfulness first, then came the answer second. Next thing we'll look at, and they're very, they're very related, and you actually heard it, uh, even in uh, Betsy Ten Boone's life, is the prayer. The impact of being thankful, we become prayerful. How does that work? Not only do we gain perspective, we also become prayerful. Number two, we become increasingly prayerful. Why? Well, we can start, when we choose a life of being thankful, we can start to thank God often about really things that other people would never even think about giving thanks for. Just any time we can start to commune with God and start thanking Him for Anything. You've heard the little song the kids sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. There really are a lot. When you start to really count them up, you realize, wow, I've overlooked a lot. But when you take that and you turn it into prayer and just start talking to God, say, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this. You know God never gets tired of hearing thank you? Do you know that he never says thank you to us? He says, well done. Well done. God ha There's nothing God has to thank us. We've never done anything for him, for him to say, thank you, Tim. I would not have been able to survive without your help. Thank you for all you've provided to me. What, what have we provided to God? Nothing. He says, well done. He does not say thanks. Thanks is something we say vertically to him, not the other way around. God says, well done. We say thank you. He says, well done. You could throw in your welcome from him to us. See, remember the passage there in 1 Thessalonians. It said, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing was jammed in between. And then it says, giving thanks in all things for this is the will of the Father. You see how prayer is embedded and rejoicing in thanksgiving? Thankful people become prayerful people. If you want your prayer life to grow, start thanking God. 
You say, why can I never gain a prayer life? One key may be no thankfulness in the heart. Very important. Short but sincere prayers. Just communing with God. Talking with Him throughout the day. Remembering to say thank. The more we remember a heart of thanksgiving, the more it enriches our prayer life when we go into things like intercession, praising the Lord, difficulties, burdens, but gaining a life of praying without... If Paul was able to pray without ceasing, one of the ways I believe he did it was he was constantly rejoicing in things that other people would have overlooked. Paul, why are you thanking God for that? Why not? D.L. Moody said, careful for nothing, prayerful for everything, thankful for anything. Careful for nothing, prayerful for everything, thankful for anything. Impact of being thankful, it helps us gain perspective. It helps us become more prayerful. Number three, it provides peace. Is there anyone that doesn't want more peace in their life? I mean, the whole world talks about peace, too. United Nations talks about it. Peace treaties talk about it. You know, we have government leaders talking about it. We have neighborhoods talking about it. How can we have peace in any situation, any part of the world, and yet we see such a lack of peace, not only in strife that end up in major wars and terrorist attacks and all kinds of hatred and racism and all kinds of other things, but it's not just that. People lack peace in their own personal, individual lives. They're not even at peace with themselves, much less anybody else. And God tells us in the scriptures that when we choose a life of thanksgiving, he'll impart peace in our life. That's a guarantee. Isn't that great? He will impart peace. Jesus is one of his names in Isaiah, the passage that will love around the Christmas season unto you. You know, it says, a son is born, wonderful counselor. One of his names is Prince of Peace. What it means... The first time I heard kind of a uh, rendering of this um, in a way that was really, really practical understanding, my good friend Sam Nadler, Messianic Jewish pastor, said it means like Jesus owns the spigots. He turns them on, peace comes out. He turns them off, it's dried up. In other words, he owns peace. It's his 100% commodity to give, but you only can get it from God. You can't buy peace from Macy's. A lot of people try, though, don't they? You can't get peace with any possessions, stuff, accomplishments, achievements. Why do you think people that have achieved so much, they die of suicides? I mean, you think, well, surely if you have six homes, one in Hollywood, one on Central Park, one in the Florida Keys, one on the south of France, one over here, and you're making lots of money, and you're having lots of fun, surely they have peace. They still don't have peace. Thankfulness. And granted, you must have salvation first. That's why I go back to that, a born-again heart. But even once you're born again, you have to choose thankfulness, don't you? Everyone in this room knows that. We get up every morning. We have to choose to be thankful. We find peace. We're thankful when we know and believe that God is in control. Betsy and Corey had to know that the Nazis truly weren't in control. Seems like they are, doesn't it? From our perspective, it seems like for sure they're in control, and God says they're not. Because any moment I say, lights out, they're all gone. They're not in control. We don't look at things from the perspective of our own eyesight. We look at things from the truth of what God says. He says that he causes kings to rise and fall. Do you believe that? Well, then you won't whine and complain as much if you don't like the king that's in control or this, that, or the other thing because you know God's in control of everything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and here it is, in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Boy, don't we need our hearts and our minds guarded? Our hearts and our minds go off the rails regularly. 
I'm not talking about people having a nervous breakdown or people completely losing it. I'm just talking about just anxiety alone, just kind of that constant, unsettled spirit. We pray and thank God on a regular basis. He drives out the darkness and replaces it with his peace. He guards our hearts and our minds. Yeah, we still will make requests. We still have needs. We're still going to make requests, but we're going to make them with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, no matter what, I thank you and praise you. Even for fleas. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God roll in your hearts to wish you were called in one body and be thankful. Thankfulness and peace go hand in hand. They ride on parallel tracks of the train. Thankfulness here, peace here. But you have to let peace reign in your hearts, don't you? It says, and let the peace of God. Well, how can you let it reign? By being thankful. That's a choice. God is the one. You can't create peace, but you can choose to say, Lord, I'll be thankful. Remember, peace comes from God. Thanksgiving is a choice. Lord, I choose to be thankful, and God says, peace comes in. I don't, I don't want to be thankful. All right. I'm not going to be thankful. Not this week. Things went really wrong. You can't hurt God. We're the ones that end up knotted up inside, awake at 3 in the morning. Amen? Peace comes from being thankful. You know, the Wall Street Journal, in an article in 2010, said, adults who frequently feel grateful have more energy, more optimism, more social connections, more happiness than those that don't, according to studies conducted over the past decade. They're also less likely to be depressed, less likely to be envious, greedy, or alcoholics. They earn more money, they sleep more soundly, they exercise more regularly, and they have greater resistance of viral infections. Well, that sounds attractive to me. How about you? Thankfulness has all of that impact because the body, mind, and spirit are all connected. I know we're made of all three, but they're all connected. And what the spirit is doing has direct effect on the body. If the spirit is giving praise and rejoicing and giving thanks, the body is receiving spiritual nourishment that actually calms the body. Well, we can all learn a lot in these areas. I'm telling you, we live in crazy, fast-paced times, don't we? We need the peace, but we, you can't find it just, first of all, we're not into Middle Eastern religion and things like that, but yoga is not the way to peace. Thanks be to God is the way to peace. There's plenty of people that do all those other things, and they fade quickly. They last for a short period of time, they give it up, and they move on, and they continue in a search for peace. Let's be giving thanks in our prayer life, in our daily life. Next one, number four, perseverance. Does anyone not need perseverance? Well, the older you are, you really need perseverance. You realize, uh, and I agree with Mark Twain, that youth was wasted on the young. I give anything to have all that I had at 20 with what I know now at 40, 45 years old. But yet God says, regardless of your body might be fading, you can still develop a life of thankfulness that will help you persevere, even when, physically speaking, things are not as easy as they once were. Pushing forward isn't always easy, is it? God says a thankful heart will allow you to push through, persevere. We're able to persevere. Now this goes back to perspective. Perseverance and perspective are very related to each other. The right perspective helps one persevere. One, we need to remember, this place is not our home. And we can be thankful for that. I woke up the other morning. I, I guess my mind had been oriented to the whole, you know, when I'm studying and looking over things and what I'm going to teach on. Uh, it, it was about four or five days ago. I, I went to bed not thinking in any way of my teaching, not thinking any way. I just, I don't remember what, uh, what I was thinking, but I know that I woke up 
uh, first thing in the morning when my eyes opened, I woke up with a thanks in my heart, and I immediately said, not out loud, but just in my spirit, I said, Lord, I thank you that this earth is not my home. I don't even know where that came from. Well, I, I know where it came from, but you know what I mean. It wasn't something I was thinking about. God just kind of dropped in my heart, said, here's something you can be thankful for. This earth is not your home. Are you thankful for that? Are you truly thankful that this earth is not your home? You know, people that have a different view of eschatology than I do, some of them think we're in the millennium reign right now. If we're in the millennium right now, we're in bad shape, folks. This is not paradise. As good as this turkey you're going to eat in a, in a few minutes is, there's better things in heaven. And there's no murder, and there's no typhoons, and there's no any of that stuff where we're going. This earth is not our home, and that is something to be thankful for, but it also gives us perseverance. How do we know this? Well, the scriptures say it in a number of places. Here's one in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 10 through 11. I'm sorry. Not wrong passage. That's on number five. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, 14 and 15. For here we have no continuing city. Yep, Richmond's not going to last. But we seek the one to come. Therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We can be thankful that we have no continuing city here, God is saying. We should be thankful we have no continuing city because we seek the one to come and it allows us, when we have to push forward and we have to do the things that God's called us to do, whether it's in our personal life, as being a parent, at work, all these things we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And by the way, this earth is not my home. Thank you, Lord. Put in 20 more years, and I get to retire forever to heaven. Amen? I don't know that that's what I have, but anyway. Maybe Jesus comes back. That'll be great. We also, we not only want to look at perseverance from our future home, but we also receive in life this should help us persevere too. Something to be thankful for. We receive in life a lot more than we think we do. We receive in life a lot more than we think we do. We're actually not all alone like we always think we are sometimes. We're actually not as isolated sometimes as we seem to think. See, the enemy sows self-pity and God says, worship me. Self-pity versus thankfulness and worshiping. Self-pity will drive us into giving up. Thankfulness will propel us to moving forward. Would you agree? Self-pity makes us just stop and fold and collapse. Thankfulness helps us to move forward. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, by the way, he, unlike Corey Tin Boone, Corey Tin Boone actually survived and went on to you know, be a voice for the Lord all over the world. Her sister did not. Betsy didn't survive the concentration camps. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, almost just very short period before uh, uh, Nazi Germany surrendered, he was executed. He didn't survive. He was a pastor, theologian, writer, author that spoke for the Lord and spoke out for uh, the Jewish people, but he was, uh, he was killed by the Nazis. But he said this, he said, in ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give. Did you hear that? He said, in ordinary life, we hardly re realize that we receive a great deal more than we give, and that it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. It is very easy to overestimate the importance of our own achievements in comparison with what we owe others. You'll persevere when you realize, I've been given a lot, not just by God, from God, but actually through people that I have overlooked. Wow, a lot of people have invested in me in my lifetime. And we've been given a lot more. We forget it. Satan doesn't want us to realize that God has actually surrounded and helped us many times through people. He's like, you're not alone. There are people 
with you to help you persevere. That's why he's given us the family of God, the body of Christ, to help us persevere. And that's something to be thankful for, isn't it? It's not our home, and God's given us each other. Helps us persevere. Fifth one, I got ahead on that passage, remember? Fifth one, purity. Thankfulness helps us remain pure in our walk with the Lord. Purity. The Bible also refers to the term holiness. The number one attribute of God is not love, although God is love. You say, it's not? No, no. What do the angels say nonstop in heaven? Holy, holy, holy. They do not say love, love, love. Now, God is love. Don't, don't get me wrong, for God so loved the world. But God the personification of his character to us is his holiness. His gift to us is his love. Amen? His grace, his mercy. But he is holy, and when he adopts us, he wants us to become like him, pure, like his son Jesus. Right motives, not self-motives. Right motives. God-focused. And that's why in Romans, in Romans chapter 1, it speaks of unthankfulness, which we read at the beginning. Unthankfulness is the first lap around the track to becoming idolatrous. Does that make sense? Unthankfulness is the first lap around the track to becoming idolatrous. Every other sin, think about it like this. If you're unthankful, is that sin or not sin? Well, it's sin, right? God's called us to be thankful. So if you're unthankful, you're now in sin, and you're open to every other sin. This is what God says, and it says that because they were unthankful, what happened? Their hearts became what? Darkened. Their thoughts became futile. See, when you're thankful, your thoughts become clear, and God gives perspective. God opens us up to Believing more of his word. Now, we are, you might already believe the word of God, but you know your faith can actually grow? You can have more faith next year than you have now. You can have more faith next week than you have now. But it's dependent upon our being yielded to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works through those who are thankful in everything, for this is what? The will of God. So if we reject the will of God, and we say, I reject your will to be thankful... I choose my will, just like Adam and Eve chose their own will, I choose my will not to be thankful, every other sin can follow. Everything, everything can follow. The rest of Romans goes on to express that. We saw this with the children of Israel. If you study the Old Testament in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 10 through 11, speaking of what happened to the children of Israel there in the desert, uh, Paul writes, nor complain. As some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the end of the ages has come. Now, what is Paul saying? He's saying the children of Israel, God had given them so many reasons to be thankful. They were slaves in Egypt. What happened? Did they rescue themselves? No. God sent plagues destroyed the Egyptian army, part of the Red Sea. They walk through, they get to the other side, they get manna. After a while, I don't want manna anymore. <laughs> it's too healthy. None of my bones ache. It's from heaven, and I don't have any headaches or migraines or anything else. It's, but it, they weren't thinking that. I can guarantee their sandals weren't even wearing out. God was giving. Can you imagine what you would give to eat manna? It's way less processed than the food you're eating. It comes directly from God. So God says, I'll give you manna, and you don't, need to, you don't need to eat meat. You don't need to eat vegetables. You don't need to eat anything. Manna is 100%. It's like that, all those uh, so-called shakes. Drink this shake. It's got every kind of natural vegetable in it and everything else. It's got protein. It's got everything. You drink it one time. Manna actually doesn't need any of the little disclaimer stuff in the bottom. We'll cause diarrhea, we'll cause diarrhea all these things, right? <laughs> Manna didn't need any of those disclaimers, right? 
You ate manna, you were good to go. What did they say? Back in Egypt, we had it so good. We were getting beaten on the back, but the food was good. They had better restaurants there. It wasn't water and manna. As if that that was, see, God's plan wasn't even to keep them in the desert. But God won't let us pass from one test to the next until we stop complaining in the desert. And when we complain in the desert, we get into sin. And when we get into sin, we become impure. And when we become impure, we start to have everything else that Satan puts in front of our path looks attractive. Golden calves seem like a reasonable idea. Can you imagine? They've just gotten through the Dead Sea. And then, let's build a golden calf. Let's pretend the golden calf brought us here. You're like, how does this make sense? Let's worship the Mercedes-Benz that we created. What happens if it gets totaled? Right? Purity, thankfulness, and purity go hand in hand. The children of Israel lost sight of being thankful. They chose not to be thankful, and they fell into every kind of immorality, idolatry. They didn't trust God anymore. And eventually, the whole nation down the line would walk away from God because they weren't thankful for him. They loved the stuff. They loved the created rather than the creator. Second Timothy, Paul writes, but know this, in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. There it is, right in the list. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal. We see this right now with ISIS and these groups. Brutal, despisers of what is good. And God says unthankful is at the heart of it all. Go back to Romans 1.21. If you and I choose to reject the will of God and be thankful, we are open to any sin you can imagine. Say, I would never fall into that. Don't be so sure. You and I must stay thankful. We stay thankful, we stay pure, we stay rejoicing, we stay in the light and the love of his glory and grace. And the last one, number six, power. Who doesn't want power in their life? I'm not talking about being powerful. I'm not talking about having a position of power. I'm talking about having the power of God, Acts 1.8, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you receive power to be what? My witnesses. Power to live life, it goes back, power is connected to perseverance, it's connected to prayer, it's connected to being pure, it's connected to having the right perspective. All of these things are connected, but we need to have thankful hearts if we want to see power in our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want victory in your life? I, I do. I've had enough defeats. And by the way, not all defeats are defeats. Joseph being thrown into prison was not a defeat. Corey Ten Boom being taken out was not a defeat. Pastor Saeed being in jail right now is not a defeat. A defeat is when we stop believing and thinking the way God has asked us to think and believe. Instead, saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I thank you anyway. Anyway. See, now faith and, faith and thankfulness are also deeply connected. Do you agree? Because it takes faith to believe these verses. Say, God, now we have a great cloud of witnesses in the scriptures to prove to us that many have tested this and no one's come up wrong yet. Amen? No one's come up wrong yet. God is faithful. He will give the victory. And all we have to say is, thank God you've already won the victory. Say, God, I need your power in my life. I thank you that you promise it. 
You think that the Lord is going to withhold the power of the Holy Spirit to those that are thankful and call upon his name? No. It doesn't mean that he's going to do everything exactly the way we want, but his power will be there. John Henry Jowett said, Gratitude is a vaccine, an antitoxin, and an antiseptic. Those things are powerful. Antitoxins, vaccines, antiseptic. Those things are powerful, but gratitude is more powerful. Saying, Lord, you, through gratitude, give me the antitoxin for this world around me is very toxic. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk through a toxic world that's not thankful, it's not loving, it's very complaining, full of ingratitude, and that's why it's full of all kinds of other sin. I don't want to be Adam and Eve. I don't want to be thankful for just walking with God in the garden. I want to know what the pleasure in that fruit is. That's what I want. I want to know that. And instead, we say, no, 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 that is poison. I want to know the power of God through a thankful heart and just saying, Lord, I'm going to give you thanks and walk through this life and gain these characteristics by choosing gratitude, by choosing to believe that the will of God is for me to be thankful. And I'll close with this question. Do you want to be more thankful in your life? I can't imagine anyone in this room saying, I've already reached that limit. I, I've surpassed all of you. I'm so thankful I don't even realize how incredibly thankful I am. No, no. See, all of us have the Holy Spirit to say, you can grow in this. You must grow in this. You will benefit greatly in growing in this, and the Father will be glorified. And by the way, other people will benefit, and you and I grow. Do you ever want to be around the complaining person? No. My good friend Thomas Powell down in uh, Virginia Beach, he said this one person that was, when he was in his church in Southern California, and they were such a complaint. He'd see them at the other end of the hall. He'd turn and run. He would hide behind a desk or something because he knew he was going to get dumped on with a thousand pounds of complaining. And God doesn't want us to be those people, does he? We want to be thankful people lift other people up. They all of a sudden come into a room and, and give people a strength to go forward and say, you can do this. Put an arm around them. But the good news is, if you want to be more thankful, guess what? God wants to help. Isn't that great? Let's close in prayer as the worship team comes up. Father, we thank you.